right, well, today we're going to talk about childlike wonder. We began a December series called Childlike Wonder, and, uh, and I'm telling you, it is, it is going to be a good journey for us because a lot of life sort of pushes out this idea of childlike wonder. Even just growing up pushes that out. I've got three older kids now. One is in college. She's heading into her senior year, and then my uh, twin boys are graduating high school. So we're getting used to the idea that three of our four kids are going to be moving on here very soon. Now, fortunately, we have a runner-up, um, a nine-year-old, and she still has that childlike wonder. She's this very happy kid. I keep telling her that your happiness can power a city. You know, don't lose that, although the teenage years are, are forthcoming. But don't lose that happiness. Yesterday, she came into our room, and she was just excited, filled with energy, more than usual, and she's jumping on the bed all excited. What? It's like, settle down. What, what's going on? And she says, right here in my face, 23 days till Christmas. It's like, okay, that's cool. We still have that childlike wonder. So I, I thought, all right, let's get the camera and let's go to our little countdown areas of our house. We have several countdown areas and I took a couple of pictures. This is our first one. We've had this forever. I think ever since Jenny and I were married. Uh, so about 50 years ago, we got that one. And uh, there's the countdown thing with the animals. And then we have our house. Do you have the house deals with every window is a number and, and there's candy inside of every window? Anybody? No? Okay, last, that was last service. They eat all the candy first day, so that kind of loses the, the deal there. But you're supposed to eat one a day uh, in every window there. And then uh, we have our snowman countdown with numbers on the snowman to count down the days. Uh, and then our newest one is just kind of a simple decoration. It's just on the wall. It's just a little clothes clip, and you just kind of mark the days. It's very, very cool. So all throughout our house, every corner of the house, there are these countdowns, and she knows the day is coming. And that anticipation is felt. Whether you're a child or an adult, you feel that anticipation. Lights are going up. The city is transforming. Your neighborhood might be transforming. Decorations, gifts are being wrapped. The weather is getting down to a frigid 78 degrees. Um, my daughter saw one of the secret gifts we were giving her, so that kind of ruined all that stuff. So ruining the surprise is part of the deal as well. You know, this anticipation is, is building. The day is coming. Christmas is coming, and for kids, it is the absolute best time of the year. Now, for the older kids, the experience is a, a little bit different. They're not quite as excited about the gifts, so they say. I'm not quite sure I believe them on that. But they are excited about being together as a family. Um, my daughter coming home and not having work for a while, not having school for a while. Um, my kids being home and not having school or sports or whatever they're involved in. And we just know that for those couple of weeks, we're going to have a good, solid time together. We're going to take a little trip to Texas and see my in-laws, which is super good. And for most of us, we can, we can sort of get ourselves back to that special time when we were a kid, right? And, and maybe we had that green and red strip thing. Do you remember that when we were pulling off? Okay, it's a little more sophisticated now. But for most of us, we can remember that special time of year as a child. And that day is coming. Christmas Day is coming. The normal life, the normal routines start to change into something magical, right? The city comes alive with lights, the parades, the neighborhoods transform, the cold and the dark is just all setting a stage for the anticipation of light and life. Something very, very special is coming. And there's a mystery to it all, especially with the children. There's a mystery to it all. The lore of, the, of, of a whole city in the North Pole filled with elves and Santa and reindeer pulling a sleigh filled with toys and gifts just magically appear on Christmas morning. There are family uh, arrangements being made and you know you're gonna see people you perhaps only see one time a year. Maybe you watch a special movie, Charlie Brown Christmas, Christmas Story, Polar Express, Elf, or my personal favorite, Nacho Libre. 
There are Christmas Eve traditions, and, and you don't really even know where these traditions come from. You just do them every single year, but they're just part of, part of your special story. And then there's the day, right? Christmas Day, that long-anticipated day <laughs> where children all over the world overflow with this barely contained enthusiasm about that morning and the gifts they're going to open and the family that surrounds them. Now, no doubt you remember those times. For those of you who aren't quite young anymore, you remember those times and, and you remember the feeling of that anticipation. And it's a childlike wonder that I think Jesus wants us to keep. I think Jesus wants us to keep a childlike wonder. In fact, he said so in Luke chapter 18, verse 17. He says this, I tell you the truth, become like a little child and you will see the kingdom of heaven. And there's been a lot written about this verse. There's been a lot preached about this verse. What does it mean for, for Jesus to invite us to become like a little child? And I think it's exactly what we're talking about this month. He wants us to maintain that childlike wonder, to never get jaded, to never lose hope, but to always have that, that wide-eyed, big-smiled anticipation about what God is doing in this world. Jesus wants us to always have a childlike wonder about God, his work in our lives, and his work in this world. But we can lose that. We lose that for a whole variety of reasons. We might start to lose that childlike wonder when we discover that maybe the Christmas mystery is a little less magical than we were told. Or perhaps growing up just makes us think that being a child isn't all that cool and so we might wanna just play, but then we resist that and just decide not to play and, and just to be more cool. It's the cool thing about Ryan Beaver, he just never decided not to play. But we get older and we think, ah, oh, it's just not cool anymore. Or we've got to play the part of a composed and collected adult. Maybe life's responsibilities can rob us of that just pure pleasure of being alive and being around people and just having a good time with each other. And perhaps knowing the terrible things that happen in this world can rob us of the innocence of, of childhood. My daughter's nine and so she's paying a little more attention to the news and the stories around her and you can just see her eyes getting a little more open to the realities of the negative things that happen in this world. Or perhaps you made some big mistakes. You've made some mistakes and you think you've ruined life and, and so you've become a little jaded, not necessarily with the world, but with yourself and you're carrying guilt and that can rob you of that childlike wonder or innocence. Or perhaps you just see that the world is very unfair and unjust and hurtful and so the hope of a better world fades. And if these are the realities that hit us all, sometimes that childlike wonder just gets robbed from us, Right? And it's understandable, right? The world can be kind of a messed up place, and that was definitely the reality 2,000 years ago in the province of Palestine. The Roman Empire had provinces all over North Africa and a little bit in the Middle East and throughout Europe, particularly Southern Europe. One of the provinces was Palestine, within which they conquered the nation of Israel. And Israel was oppressed. The brutal Roman Empire had conquered them by force, they were under this incredible regime of oppression. They were being taxed into poverty. They had few freedoms. Uh, they had um, no hope. They were essentially property of the Roman Empire. They did not believe there were better days ahead. And they believed that the world around them was decaying morally and violence and corruption was a normal part of their life. That was the context in which Jesus was born. And the Bible does a pretty good job explaining that context, the context of corruption and darkness of the world. In fact, in Isaiah 24, it says this, the earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. 
And at the time of the coming of Christ, they understood that a curse consumes the earth, and they felt it in a very deep way. This earth is cursed in many respects. It's cursed by poverty. Millions of children are malnourished all over the world. Families struggling to survive, wondering where their next meal is going to come from. Basic health care is scarce. The world is under a curse of poverty. It's under a curse of violence, a world under threat of war, communities having to guard against harm. In fact, a very horrific uh, scene of violence took place right here, I mean, a quarter mile down the road on Wednesday. Uh, More homes than we'd like to admit, filled with rage, anger, and violence. The world is under a curse of violence. It's also under a curse of injustice, where the weakest among us are alone and victims of abuse and oppression, where minorities have very little voice or few protections, where innocent victims of war and tyrannical regimes and even genocide is still taking place today. We're also under a curse of loneliness, where people are isolated in their pain. They're isolated in their hurt with no one to bear their burdens. Uh, Forgotten people, including the sick and the handicapped and the elderly, they're feeling all by themselves. This world is under a curse. And the curse of this world and the negativity of the world can cause us to lose that childlike wonder and lose hope that there are better days ahead. And so we retreat into negativity or pessimism. But I want us to understand that despite the curse of this world, God makes some profound promises Since the fall of creation, God's made some profound promises to a hurting world, and he asks us to recapture that childlike wonder of hope, of better days ahead. About 2,800 years ago or so, God spoke first to a man named Abraham. His name was Abram. God God called him, and and he said, "I I have news to tell you. I have a promise to tell you, and here's the promise. Here's the upshot. All people on earth will be blessed through you. He said that to Abraham, who would be the father of a great nation, Israel. That great nation would give birth to a savior, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, the whole world will be saved. All people on earth will be blessed. That's God's promise. Even in the midst of pain, of of isolation, loneliness, of suffering, of poverty, of injustice, God makes a promise that all people on earth will be blessed. And then hundreds of years later, God comes to Isaiah and he gives a promise to Isaiah. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way. My arm will bring justice to the nations. My salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. This is a promise. In the midst of chaos, the nation of Israel was in utter chaos during this time, but God says, don't lose hope, don't lose that childlike wonder, things are going to get better. Trust me, the old will fade, the new will come. And then throughout Isaiah, we studied this book uh, several summers ago, throughout Isaiah, God gives promise after promise of what he will do on the earth. All nations will honor God. God's son will rule forever. There will be peace on earth. There will be the forgiveness of sin. There will be eternal life for all. Everything will be in order. Righteousness will prevail. Uh, God's rule will be over every nation. There will be freedom and prosperity for all. Justice will be on the earth. There will be deliverance from decay, and we will all experience eternal glory. These are the promises found in the book of Isaiah. God makes promises and urges us, don't get swallowed up in the darkness of the world around you and the negativity and the pessimism, right? Yes, this world is kind of a mess at times, and yes, there's a long way to go, but don't get caught in that. Get caught up in the promises of God. Don't lose hope. Don't lose that childlike anticipation that something wonderful is coming. 
Now, God began to fulfill all of these promises at the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago. And I want to be clear. God began to fulfill his promises 2,000 years ago at the birth of Jesus Christ. His name was Yeshua. It's a compound name uh, forming from Yahweh, which means God, and the word Yehoshua, which means to save. The word Yeshua is God saves. We now call him Jesus. God is saving through his son, Jesus Christ, and he began that work at the birth of Jesus Christ. He was born in poverty. He was raised in a squatter's village. He was a tradesman carpenter. He was rejected by his own hometown. He was a traveling preacher living off of donations. His followers included the poor, the outcast, the sick, and the lonely. And he was executed at the hands of the Roman Empire for treason and cast away in shame. That's how God began to fulfill his promise on the earth. It was exactly the way he designed it. So the great anticipation of a coming savior would be fulfilled in a largely unassuming way. God fulfilled his promise in an unassuming way, a quiet movement of love, a quiet movement of forgiveness and selfless service to one another. God didn't fulfill his promise with a big political movement or or a movement of armies. He began to fulfill his promise to make this world a better place, to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth in a very quiet and unassuming way. And it was unassuming for a while. In fact, even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where the resurrected Christ saw many hundreds of people, keep in mind, uh, Facebook wasn't flying there, so it was a, a slow movement as word of the resurrection of Christ got out. And it began with several thousand followers of Christ in one city where he rose from the dead. Several thousand followers of Jesus Christ called themselves the way. We are followers of the way. You remember what Jesus says? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so they said, we're with him. We're with Jesus. Us, several thousand people in this one city of Jerusalem, we're with Jesus. We embrace him as our savior. We we embrace his message. We are following him, and we're gonna spread this message wherever we go. They call themselves the way. Several decades later, the authorities, particularly the religious authorities, were annoyed by the followers of the way. They kept preaching grace. They kept preaching forgiveness and love. And they wanted, you know, the harshness of religion and rules and commandments. And the, so they accused the followers of the way of being little Christs called Christians. And, and they were saying that to degrade them because, oh, yeah, you're just one of those Jesus. Remember the, the guy we crucified? Remember the person we, we tortured to death hanging on a cross for all of Jerusalem to see? That's you. And they said, yeah, it is. And they embraced this um, degrading term and called it their own. And they said, we are Christians. And their message of love and grace was so compelling that over the next 300 years, one in seven people in the Roman Empire called themselves Christians, even though it was illegal. It was so compelling. And then through a, a dream from the Emperor Constantine, a dream of Jesus coming into Rome, the Roman Empire was opened up to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Roman Catholic Church was formed. And that started a whole movement uh, that developed a culture, a whole culture of of freedom, a culture of innovation, a culture of study, of art, and of science, driven by this reality that God loves and that God is engaged and that God has a vision for this world that is powerful and exciting, a vision of love, of justice, of forgiveness. And so Christianity shaped the Western world. And right now, two billion people call themselves Christians. And right now, the cause of Christ is absolutely taking over the world, particularly in the global south, and continues to move in powerful ways in the global east. And the Christian ethic is becoming the very ethic of the entire world. 
of love, of mercy, of forgiveness, of justice, of kindness, and compassionate service to one another. That is becoming the culture of the entire world right now as we speak. It is a very exciting time to live, and it's an exciting time to be a part of the church because the cause of Christ is moving forward like never before. Now, in order to see that, we have to see those things through the eyes of a child. Keep in mind, a child's eyes are innocent. A child's eyes aren't jaded. A child's eyes aren't, aren't disappointed, right, where, where the world has sort of crumbled around them, but they can still see the ideal. And we've got to recapture that childlike wonder. We've got to recapture what Jesus said. When Jesus said, become like a child and see the kingdom of heaven, we've got to walk this journey. We've sort of got to close our jaded and negative adult eyes, and we have to have our eyes reopened to be the eyes of a child. And I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us to first not get pulled into the negativity of the kingdom of this world. And it's easy to do. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks, you know, that news is just a mess and politics is just a mess, right? Where people are peddling negativity to get us to watch or to get us to vote. There are peddlers of negativity just saying how bad things are, how bad things are. And that's, that's an entire world that is before our eyes every day, all day, peddling negativity. And we buy into that and it's person against person and political party against political party. And, and it's just a mess. Don't get sucked in. Certainly it's good to be aware of what's going on in, in this world. Absolutely. But don't get sucked in. Don't get jaded by just seeing what's negative out there, right? I also want to encourage us, not, try not to get pulled into the negativity of the religious mindset. Some of the most negative people in the world are religious people. Why? Because religious people have this sense that, well, we're right and everybody else is wrong. And because everybody else is wrong and because it's really a party to judge other people, they're bad and they're bad and they're bad and the world's bad and that's bad and they're not certainly as good as us. They're not as right as us, not as moral as us. And so religion tends to suck people into negativity. And we have, have a, a lifestyle then of judging other people. And it feels really good to judge other people. No better feeling in the world than to judge other people. So easy to do. Don't get sucked into that. I want to encourage us instead to see the ongoing wonder of the Christmas story. And I want us to really notice that word ongoing. The Christmas story is ongoing. The Christmas story is not just about celebrating the birth of Christ 2,000 years ago. That was awesome, right? But I want us to hear something. Christmas has come, but Christmas is still coming. If we think the birth of Jesus Christ was the end of it, if we think that's really the, the deal, right? The birth of Christ was the thing. Now we're looking back on something 2,000 years ago and there's no more anticipation. It's like, well, that gift was open and you know what it's like when kids are done opening their gifts, right? So, that's it? So, ooh, I'm gonna wring your neck. What do you mean that's it? But that's what happens when the gift is open and Christmas is done. But like, that's it? Is that all? Is there anything, any other gifts around the corner? Well, as for a lot of us, that's kind of what Christmas becomes. It's like Jesus was the great gift, and then he's over there, and then we wait to die and go to heaven. There is so much more than that. Christmas has come, but Christmas is still coming. Jesus has come. But get this. Jesus is still coming, and one day he will come in full. The Christmas story just began at Christmas, and it is continuing even to this day. I want us to hear the heart of God in Romans chapter 8, right? This is after Jesus died and rose from the dead. All of creation is waiting for the Christmas story to continue. 
and to roll on to its fullness. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God. Who are the children of God? Oh, that's us. All of creation is waiting for us to kind of get out of this negativity, oh, it's all over, all done, get me dead and into heaven. There's a lot more to be done here, right? There's an eager childlike anticipation that this world is going to become a better place. Why? Because Christ came and Christ sent his spirit to us. And we are now empowered to be the body of Christ, continuing the ministry of Christ, right? Let's not just look back at Jesus 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and church becomes this 2,000 years ago, look back. How about the church becomes the ministry of Christ alive and well right now? Jesus continues to come to the earth through us. We are the body of Christ. We are the living, breathing ministry of Christ, uh, pushing forward and advancing the cause of Christ right here and right now. And all of creation eagerly awaits for us to continue the work of Christ in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into glorious freedom. All of creation is looking to us and saying, let's get the ministry of Christ going. Let's love people. Let's forgive people. Let's serve people. Let's not judge. Let's not get sucked in the negativity. Let's have that childlike anticipation that something incredible is coming. Something incredible is coming. I'll give you just a dumb example. Christmas Eve, we have a, a dinner and we have one present. Maybe you guys do the same thing, right? And for us, it's always pajamas, so there's no surprise in that whatsoever, right? And it's cool. Christmas Eve is cool. Don't get me wrong. Christmas Eve is really cool. Have that meal, open our PJs, wear our PJs, whatever. It's cool. But there's still something great coming. I don't want to be in any way demeaning to the baby Jesus, but that's Christmas Eve. There is a day coming forward that is the real deal. I mean, the reason why Jesus came wasn't just to live 33 years 2,000 years ago. Jesus came to change the world and to make this world just like heaven. And that continues today. Christmas Day is still coming. It's a process of not only the birth of Jesus Christ getting the promises of God started, but the life of Jesus Christ continuing right now through his church to keep his ministry advancing until one point, Revelation eleven fifteen becomes a reality where the kingdom of the earth becomes the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ came, he is still coming, and he will come in full. He will come in full. We'll solve all that tonight with our little end times panel. I'll be solved. In order for us to have this childlike anticipation of what's coming, we've got to walk a process of, of closing our adult eyes, the eyes that might be a little jaded, the eyes that might be a little negative, the eyes that might be a little religious. We've got to close those eyes, and we've got to have eyes wide open. And I want to encourage you, if there is a child around your home, for us, we still have the blessing of a nine-year-old, right, who's very excited. Think to yourself, all the month of December, I want my eyes to be like hers, I want to see the good in this world, and I want to participate in the good of this world. I want to be happy, and I want to be full of life, and I want to participate with a lot of great people around me, family and friends that I can enjoy, and I want to move forward love, and I want to move forward grace, and I want to be a blessing to people around me. I want to be the one to brighten everybody's day at the office. I want to be the one to notice, hey, nice haircut, hey, nice uh, outfit, nice ugly sweater, right? Uh, just, just to notice people around us, to open up doors for other people. If somebody is in need, to help them out. We want to be that person, not the jaded person with adult eyes that are just scarred from the reality of the world or swallowed up by the negativity or swallowed up by religion, but to have brand new eyes. 
God, I want to see innocently. God, I want to see joyfully. God, I want to see happily. And I want to eagerly anticipate what you are doing in this world. I want to see the good in what you are doing in this world to bring nothing less than the kingdom of heaven here. And we can practice that, not just this month, we can practice that as a lifestyle. We can truly recapture that childlike wonder that God calls us all to live in. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we honor you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, on that first Christmas evening. The evening that he was born in poverty, born as a peasant, rejected in ministry, and murdered for his message of of love and grace. This is how you chose to start the kingdom of heaven on this earth. Not by any political power or military power, but God, by the ministry of a peasant, Yeshua, Jesus, God who saves. And we follow him. We are followers of the way. We are Christians. We've decided to embrace his message of grace and to own that for ourselves that we're forgiven because of his crucifixion and resurrection that pays the price for our sin and rises again from the dead to give us eternal life. But that resurrection is not just for us. That resurrection is for this entire world, a world that is certainly decaying, a world that is certainly still under a curse, but a world that over time is aligning with the kingdom of heaven. And even right now there is, as we've talked about, there is a a moral revolution taking place as the world's morality is aligning with the, the morality of Jesus Christ, that selflessness, the service of mankind, justice for all. And God, we are privileged to be a part of that. I pray that we would adhere and, and, and seize the call to become the light and life of Jesus Christ as Jesus came 2,000 years ago to begin your fulfilling of your promises, to make all things new, to bring heaven on earth. But Jesus Christ is coming even now through us by your spirit in us. Help us to advance the cause of Christ together. And God, towards that hope that one day the kingdom of the earth will become the kingdom of heaven and Christ will reign forever and ever. In his name we pray, amen.